Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC Studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Pregame Podcast brought to you by Robbins Motor Company. I am Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of GoPowerCat.com, and over the next hour or so, I will speak with a number of people to help us break down this Saturday's Kansas State football game at Bill Snyder Family Stadium against the West Virginia Mountaineers. The game is slated for an 11 a.m. kickoff on FS1. K-State is now 6-3 and three on the season and 3-3 three and three in the Big 12 after last Saturday's 35-10 victory over the Kansas Jayhawks. Meanwhile, West Virginia has dropped to 4-5 and five and 2-4 and four in Big 12 play. The Mountaineers come to town with a bit of desperation in their hearts because they know they've got to find two more wins out of their final three games to get bowl eligible. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. So let's set the agenda for today's show. It's pretty much the same every week. In the first segment here, we will talk to our own Ryan Wallace at GoPowerCat.com. He covers football recruiting and helps with team coverage over at GPC. In the second half, we bring in our football analyst. That's Brian Hanley, a guard on the 1997 and 98 Kansas State football teams, those incredible teams that took the Wildcats to the cusp of playing for a national title. And then we wrap it all up in our third segment with our own Ryan Gilbert. He comes in to discuss the spreads and betting lines for all of the Big 12 games, and he gives us his opinion. And our interview segment this week is with Kansas State receiver Cade Warner. Well, let's not mess around, and let's bring in Ryan Wallace right now. And Wally... This segment's usually like 20 minutes um, long. Wally, I'm going to give you the next 20 minutes to explain West Virginia to me. Are they good? Are they bad? Go. <laughs> I, I can't figure them out, man. They they beat Iowa State. They look fantastic. They beat, a, I think, a really good Iowa State team, even though they've lost some games. I just like all their, their tools. They play good defense, good offense. You get it. Uh, and then they turn around and just look like trash against Oklahoma State and give up eight sacks in back-to-back games. But I guess I want to go back three games ago when they ran right through TCU's defense with Letty Brown because I feel like that's what they're going to try to do to K-State. Line up, be physical, and let Letty Brown run into that three-man front. Yeah, I mean, by and large, they're a competitive team that has found ways at times to win games, and they've found ways to lose games. They just haven't been as consistent as any coach, let alone, you know, a coach like Neil Brown wants them to be. Uh, And when you go back and look at their schedule, I mean, three of their five losses have been by a combined 12 points. They've lost two games on basically field goals, but then at the same time, three of their four wins have been by like an average uh, win margin, I guess, or uh, margin of victory of 8.3 points. So you're right. I mean, you don't really know what Mountaineer team you're going to get. But I I think if you wanted to boil it down to kind of one number and one thing to watch, you hit it on the head with Letty Brown and just the rush offense of West Virginia because they have not won a game where they did not go for over 100 yards rushing as a team. And a lot of that is Letty Brown. I mean, they've they've got a backup quarterback that they've brought in at times to do some RPO things, but – uh, when when they're clicking as a ground get ground unit, it's because of Letty Brown. And like I said, all of their losses, they have 
been under 100 total team rushing yards. All of their wins, they've gone over the century mark. That should be kind of the number that K-State fans should be watching. Absolutely. I don't understand. I think Neil Brown's a great coach, but I don't understand their, their running offense at all. Their ground game is dead last in the Big 12 right now. They're only averaging 113 yards gained on the ground per game, which is 25 yards behind Kansas. It, it just doesn't make sense to me because I love Letty Brown. I think he is, well, I think he's an NFL running back. Bigger, mm-hmm. pound away. You know, he isn't going to pick up 50, but he's going to pick up five for you pretty consistently. And I don't think they use him. I think they outthink themselves a little bit too much on offense because Jared Diggy is a good quarterback, but is he a guy you want to say, hey, here's the ball most of the game. You go make things happen. I don't think so, Ryan Wallace. No, I agree with you on that. I think Jared Dagey is, you know, for all the things that we've said over the course of like Brock Purdy's career and, uh, you know, even Max Duggan, I think Jared Dagey is the most hot and cold quarterback mm-hmm. in this conference by far. <laughs> um, he is, and that's why I, I would estimate, you know, kind of getting off topic here for a second. I'll get back to Letty Brown, but uh, we talked last week about how Joe Klanderman will probably just use kind of base stuff against KU get by no need to dial anything up. I think it'll be the opposite this week. I think this week, if you're Joe Klanderman, uh, you pepper Jarrett Dagey over and over and over because the more uncomfortable he is, the more uncomfortable he plays and it shows, but getting back to Letty Brown, I think you're right about him being maybe an NFL guy. I think he's got pro tendencies for the simple standpoint of, I'm not sure there's maybe a better running back in this league that handles contact better than he does. Uh, it never, it's never one defender. It seems like that takes him down. It takes multiple guys flying at him and, and you have to be physical with him because he's such a bruising ball carrier. But I, I think the weird thing with this West Virginia offense is they almost try and set up the run through the pass. They don't, they're not really explosive this year. They're not, throwing these bombs downfield. Um, you know, I want to say that kind of their, their yards per play on uh, in the past isn't, isn't really that much. So they kind of dink and dunk you and then try and catch you with some runs. And there are two guards, uh, uh, Gemiter and or Gemiter and, and Nestor are really, really good. So this will be a game that, you know, Timmy Horn, Eli Huggins will have to play really strong because the tackles have been the problem, I think, for the run game and to some extent the passing game because they just have not protected well, haven't run blocked well on the outside. And so that's why I think Letty Brown's numbers have also gone down in, in addition to the fact that they're trying to lull teams to sleep and then catch them with the run. But it's really been kind of that A and B gap power stuff where they let Letty Brown run right up the middle and then he can kind of get outside because they just have not been able to kind of exploit the edges very much for Letty Brown. And so, uh, again, you know, I think K-State's going to have to be really assignment sound in the middle with Daniel Green, Cody Fletcher hitting the right gaps. But it's a big game for Timmy Horn and Eli Huggins because if the ground game gets going, it's going to be it's going to get going behind those two guards on the inside. Yeah, Jared Diggy, this blows me away because I would not have guessed it without looking at the stats. Leads the Big 12 in passing yards per game at 242 a game. He's ahead of Brock Purdy. He's ahead of everyone else in this conference. It's incredible to me how much they trust they put in him to run the offense through the air. 11 TDs, but also a league-leading eight interceptions, which gets back to your Mm -hmm. point. Keep him uncomfortable. Don't let him just be standing there in the pocket. And the way this all ties together for me is you got to be good on that first and second down, pretty basic football. You can't let Letty Brown put them in third and short so Jared Dagey can pick and choose what he wants to do. You get him in third, medium, third and long, you bring Felix Duque Zama back into the, the mix, and you really... Everyone's going to be paranoid about the guy now. He's just such a presence out there. When you're in third and long, you have to double-team him or something to try to keep him off your quarterback. But it changes so much. So K-State's got to get their work in early to put them in that situation. Absolutely. And, I mean, you don't want to get in third and short either because then that gives Jarrett Diggy 
and this offense more flexibility, whether they decide to run the ball, whether they try and catch you over the top, the more third and long situations you can put them in, um, the better. And, and the other thing too, that I would caution with, with Kansas state players and, and fans this week, and I'm sure the coaches are saying this as well, is that it's not the end of the world if, if West Virginia looks like they're moving the ball kind of early on in series because, and again, this kind of gets back to this hot and cold West Virginia offense this year. Like you said, you've got Jared Dagey, really good passing numbers as far as yards. They're number three is a passing offense in the conference, but they're also number nine in offensive efficiency. And that gets to my point of if they're moving the ball early on in, this, in a drive or a series, uh, hang in there, uh, which K-State normally does. It's kind of their M.O., you know, bend but don't break. Because this West Virginia offense, I found a rather interesting stat that they've been in the red zone 38 times, but 11 of those have resulted in field goals. Hmm. Um, they stall a lot. Um, and I think, again, a lot of that goes back to their inability to get a ground game going, inability for Jarrett Dagey to find guys. Now, Last year, when I went back and reviewed the film from Morgantown, it was astounding and alarming how often West Virginia was able to move the ball through the air on K-State through slants. It was constantly these uh, getting underneath uh, linebackers and cornerbacks, just slant after slant after slant, and then catching them a little bit in the flats, and then boom, uh, out of nowhere, they catch K-State sleeping over the top. It's that same kind of philosophy. If, if you're expecting to be at the game or watch the game this week and you you think it's going to be, again, you're used to seeing West Virginia, old school Dana Holgerson type stuff. That's not what Neil Brown wants to do. It's, it's a very methodical, uh, use the play clock, 32 minutes this year in, in average time of possession. And they're going to try and, and just dink and dunk you forever. And then again, try and find a matchup that works or have Letty Brown just explode for a big one. You know, that's how they beat K-State in 2019 was that blown coverage at the end uh, of the early fourth quarter fits. You remember that one caught yep. K-State down the sideline. That's the kind of thing that this West Virginia offense, again, that it either wins them games this year or it loses them games because they just haven't been consistent. But again, I think K-State's defense has been balanced enough, consistent enough, assignment sound enough of late where I feel like this is a game that, that K-State can finally kind of right their wrongs against West Virginia. K-State's offense against this West Virginia defense, I, I think West Virginia's got a really good defense. I, I feel oh, yeah. like they're really sound and capable. But I, I think since Skylar Thompson's return, I almost get this sense that K-State doesn't care who they're playing. They can move the ball against almost anyone, and there's a sense of confidence now because he's been so effective throwing the ball. Can K-State's offense continue this level of success, which has been you know, not overwhelming? They didn't throw up 50 points against Kansas, but they just efficiently put up 35. And I... I I feel like that will repeat itself again this week. I feel like K-State has figured out what it can and should be doing on offense. Yeah, and I get a feeling that this is going to be kind of one of those Saturday morning matchups that, uh, you know, will test K-State's offensive will a little bit. And, and again, I feel like it might be one of those games for the fans to just hang in there and not get too down. It's going to be the type of early type of performance, I, I, I estimate anyway, that K-State's going to have to feel some things out because this West Virginia defense is very balanced. Uh, I know they're only fifth in the Big 12 in total defense, you know, fifth in passing and rush defense, but uh, really strong in third down uh, efficiency for, as a defensive unit. Number one red zone defense in the Big 12. I mean, they've only allowed six rushing touchdowns, seven passing touchdowns in 32 red zone attempts this year. So they get better the, you know, the closer their backs are to that goal line. Um, and, and I think West Virginia as a whole, it seems like the way that they've caught K-State in the past, uh, you know, this five game winning streak that they've had is they're an athletic defense that is always hungry for a turnover. They've always created turnovers, caught K-State, um, and, and kind of been in the on the advantageous side of a lot of 
you know, contested catches and things like that. They're going to throw everything at K-State up front as an uh, K-State's offensive line. It will see a lot. Dante Stills, really good player. Akeem Mesador, really good player. Uh, they do a lot of stunting, rotating, blitzing here, blitzing there. And again, that's why I said I think it'll take a little bit for K-State to feel some things out. But Skylar Thompson being the veteran that he is, like you said, Fitz, having seen this defense so many times and been frustrated by it, He's the type of player I think you want in this type of situation that will, again, get K-State over the hump against this defense. They're without Nick Troy Fortune. Uh, they're starting cornerback that's out for the rest of the year. I think that kind of hurts them. I think their secondary isn't as athletic, um, doesn't see things as, as well as some of their defensive backs have in the past. And I'll throw another stat out there for you, Fitz, that I think is a little bit telling. Again, we talked about the hot and cold offense of West Virginia. How about the hot and cold defense at times, depending on venue for the Mountaineers? At home games, this defense average is only 295 yards allowed. In road games this year, they're averaging 432 yards allowed as an average. So they just, you know, you think 11 a.m. on the road, K-State team that's clicking. Uh, I do think West Virginia will find some ways to frustrate K-State early, but I like uh, K-State's experience um, to find enough ways to move the ball, score some points on Saturday morning. These three games, I keep saying it's huge. I mean, I feel like this is a really important measurement of where K-State football's at right now under Chris Kleiman. West Virginia, Baylor, Texas. How will K-State emerge from this trio of games? I like this one. Um, I do feel like that, that again, K-State just seems like they're the more tested team at this point, the more uh, consistent team. Maybe that's probably the better word to use. They're just, they've been more consistent and more balanced to this point. And it's a home game and it's 11 a.m. All that seems to feed into K-State this week. Um, Looking ahead at next week, it's tough. We'll have to see what, what Baylor team comes into Manhattan. I, I think a lot of Baylor this year. I, I think they're very athletic. I think they pose a lot of matchup problems for K-State. I know it's senior day. I know we could be seeing a K-State team that could be winners of four in a row. But there's something about that game I'm not crazy about. And so then it kind of comes down to the game in Austin, which, you know, for now, and, and this is maybe me being, uh, you know, a little bit too forgiving of everything that, that the Longhorns have shown. I think maybe that one's a coin flip. Um, but at the very least, I see K-State one and one with an opportunity to win an eighth in Austin, which says a lot considering how poorly this team looked uh, coming out of that Iowa State game. Yeah, it's it's going to be a very fascinating trio. I felt horrible about that Baylor game. I think Baylor's pretty good. And then they lose to TCU, which was really hard to explain. They, they just kind of got handled by Jerry Kill taking over that TCU program. It shocked me, to be honest. And now they have Oklahoma this week. And I think we're going to find out a whole lot more about Baylor. They could have their confidence really shattered. We'll see. We'll see how it all pans out. But confidence is something that K-State is not short on right now. They were short on it as they went to Lubbock, and they have slowly built more and more confidence. This team just has a good vibe about itself right now, Ryan Wallace. And I just I agree with you. I don't see them losing this game. I, I, I feel like they're going to get this win and get to seven wins, and then it's going to be really tough on those last two. Say what you want about Texas. That's a talented team. So we need to have... Um, if you're anyone playing against Texas, you need to have them broken. And they're not quite there yet, but they're they're splintering pretty fast. So it's it's intriguing. We'll see what they do against Kansas this weekend. I think they might uh, take a lot for granted and find themselves in a little bit more trouble than one would expect against KU. Well, and and one more kind of final thought, and you you brought this to my attention just now, talking about how this is kind of one of those a game that not only means a lot, I think right now in the course of this season for K-State, but also kind of looking ahead at the future, Uh, obviously covering recruiting. I keep a closer pulse than most on what's going around in the big 12, what's going on around in the big 12. And uh, 
West Virginia right now, if you took Texas's class away and Oklahoma's class away, which inevitably soon that will be the case as they move to the SEC, the Mountaineers would have the number one ranked class. Right oh. now, uh, they're looking at a top 30 class that's number three in the Big 12. Uh, I, I think highly of Neil Brown. I, I think Kate said some people in K-State's athletic department at one point thought pretty highly of Neil Brown. Absolutely. Um, and so this is a big one, I think, for K-State to, you know, right the ship against West Virginia, but also, you know, kind of show that as we start to look ahead at the future Big 12, that, you know, K-State isn't going to be caught in the middle of the pack, that maybe they're ascending um, rather than, again, kind of being, you know, that 500, six and six, seven and five type program that I think everybody sort of labels them as. Um, recruiting wise, it hasn't looked as good for Chris Kleiman as it has for Neil Brown. But, uh, you know, this is one of those games where you can, again, kind of set the tone moving forward that, uh, there's there's enough still in the in the stable for K-State that uh, doesn't really matter what West Virginia has coming in that, um, you know, Chris Kleiman can can make things happen for the K-State program moving forward. West Virginia is four and five, two and four in the Big 12. Kansas State is six and three and three and three overall. The Mountaineers have Texas next week and then go to Kansas to close out their season at four and five. This is a huge game for the Mountaineers if they want to pretty much guarantee bowl eligibility when you consider they have Kansas left. Very, I think West Virginia is really good, and I know you are what your record says you are, but this team's better than below 500, and it's a big threat for K-State. It's going to be an interesting game at the Bill. Ryan Wallace, I appreciate it very much. K-State covers, Fitz. I'm picking them to cover. My goodness. And I was shocked by the line, Ryan. I was – Wally, I, <laughs> when it came out six or seven for K-State, I'm like, really? My, how the everything's changed now because I couldn't quite explain some of the lines earlier. But they – you know, Vegas always knows. They just typically know. And I've had three lines this year that I couldn't explain, and I've missed on all three, including – Baylor and TCU last week, so they apparently know that that uh, West Virginia is trash on the road, and that's what they're going with. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I look forward to hearing more about what Ryan Gilbert has to say later on in the show. Yeah, thank you very much. That's it for the first segment of the Pirate pregame show as we get you prepared for the Cats and the Mountaineers Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, waiting on the other side of the break. He's eager to get after it. Our football analyst, Brian Hanley, joins us. And we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I'm Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of GoPowerCat.com. One segment's behind us, and now we're getting ready for our own Brian Hanley, our football analyst at GPC. He played for the Wildcats along that offensive line in 97 and 98, and he is standing by from his Texas location to join us shortly. But first, the dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company title sponsor of the Pirate pregame podcast and now we welcome in our football analyst mr brian hanley thank you for joining us sir yes sir um we were before we started taping we we're just discussing the college football playoff rankings we won't get into that here because the podcast would be three hours long and i'd have to bleep out words <laughs> Absolutely. so i've come to this conclusion uh, and this is how you make 
lemonade out of crap. Um, K-State, at its current record, is nowhere near the college football playoff rankings. Good. Good. Yeah. Let's stay out of this one because what they're doing with the poll just make, makes no sense to me, but – Nope, absolutely not. It's crazy, but oh well. Okay, well, Oklahoma better find a way to beat some really good teams. I don't know how. I mean, maybe Oklahoma State. I Oklahoma is unbeaten and ranked behind three one-loss Big Ten teams. I think that says all you need to know. It, yeah, they, they, I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Speaking and of, it's OU. I know. It's that's crazy. amazing. It's not like it's TCU <laughs> or Baylor like the one year. It's OU. Yeah. And they think they're going to get respect in the SEC. That's going to be funny. Hey, uh, speaking of things I can't figure out, let's talk about the West Virginia Mountaineers. Um, I'm, I'm a little baffled by them. They're at four and five and two and four on the season, uh, you know, two and four in Big 12 play. And that season loss to Maryland kind of set a tone, season opening loss to Maryland, set a tone for the ears on the season. They have been wildly unpredictable. They did beat Virginia Tech in the non-conference. And I admire, I greatly admire West Virginia and how they schedule because they always have two power fives, the non-con, and sandwiched in between was Long Island, which is apparently a really bad team. But uh, they have looked good at times, even in, in losing. For example, at Oklahoma, they looked really good. But then they turned around and lost at home to Texas Tech. You know, they they beat Iowa State and turn around and just get absolutely pummeled by Oklahoma State at home. I Do you have an explanation if this is a good or mediocre team? Well, usually teams that do that are mediocre at best. So, But it's the up and down effect. They can play really good one week really bad the next week and those are usually mediocre teams but unfortunately it seems like it's if it's every other week that this is the week for them to play good yeah you're right you're, it would work out that way and scoring <laughs> right. offense uh they are ninth in the big 12 now uh k-state actually climbed ahead of them after their three-point outing against oklahoma state defensively they're one of the top four k-state is three and west virginia four on paper this seems like a really good matchup and i think it's a really good test for where chris Kleiman's program is because let's be honest he hasn't beaten west virginia nor has he beaten baylor or texas the other two teams on the schedule so i feel like these real these three weeks are going to really sort out where this program's at right now and if they are indeed getting better and climbing the ladder in this big 12 which is a a theme that i talk about quite a bit you got to get over the top of teams and they have an opportunity here with West Virginia and Baylor. Yeah, absolutely. That's the key to building your program. You got to get in the top half of your conference. If you can do that, things are moving well. And they got to be able to do that. This is really big for I know we've said that several times this year. That games are really big and really big. But honestly, they have been, and these are no different. So this is another week where, hey, we got to have it to, to get to where we're trying to go to. We got to have it, man. It's just it's one of those things. And to get over the hump, uh, K-State is a – I shouldn't say that they're necessarily a better program than West Virginia, but they're, I think they're a better team this year than West Virginia. You know, And overall, we should be able to be – if we're not at their level, maybe we are a notch above West Virginia. So we need to go out and prove it on the field and be better than West Virginia. This is a, a time we, we can win this one. This is some uh, – it'll be tough. I'm not saying it's going to be an easy game, but we should be able to go and win this game. This is a big game for a program-building game. So many great storylines with this game. Both of these coaches were hired at the same – time period at their respective universities they were two of four new coaches three years ago in the league and they're the only two left and somehow they're also now in the top half of big 12 coaching experience i that's just amazing <laughs> to me just amazing and a lot of people don't realize this but when it came down to the k-state job it really was down to chris Kleiman and neil brown and for reasons that are easy to explain they took Chris Kleiman, people want to say because he was the AD's friend. Well, mostly he's a Midwest guy who the AD felt like would come to K-State and stay. Neil Brown's a Southern guy, and I think he'll eventually end up in the SEC unless he really gets West Virginia going. But 
I like Neil Brown a lot. I think he's an excellent football coach, and I think West Virginia is in good hands with him. But they have been wildly unpredictable this season, and it really starts on that offensive side of the ball. They just can't find consistent offense with Jared Dagey at quarterback and Letty Brown at running back. And I really like both of those players, particularly Letty Brown. I think he's one of the more undervalued running backs in this conference. Yeah, I really like Letty Brown, too. I was just going to say that he's really, really good. I know he hurt us last year, and I just believe that he's one of the, the upper echelon running backs. He's really good, but they can't find, you know, the consistency, the quarterback play. I don't know, the offensive line play. They just can't figure it out on a consistent basis. I, I, it's, it's hard to pinpoint because it's like you said, they have good players, but it just – for some reason or another, it's just not coming together. It's just not on the offensive side of the ball. Defensive side, mm. different story. They're, play, they're playing really good defense. So this will be a test for K-State. Yeah, it really will be. This defense is is really tough, really stout. Um, Oklahoma State managed to put up some points last week. And uh, I'm not real sure how, to be honest, because Oklahoma State's offense is solid, but they're not putting up huge numbers on anyone. So uh, I'm just intrigued to see how K-State attacks this team. And let's talk about the Wildcats, though, because I feel like the performance of K-State offense versus West Virginia defense really falls so much on the shoulders of this K-State offense because I feel like they now have – the capability of moving the ball against anyone. And I haven't felt that way in a long time in about K-State offense. I mean, going back years and years, I thought when they go up against good defenses, they're in trouble. Right now, Skylar Thompson, with his ability to sling it around, he's proven to be one of the more effective quarterbacks in the entire nation since coming back. In terms of his decision-making, yardage, production, all of those things, adding Deuce Vaughn and, and Joe Irvin in the running game, Brian, I, I just like where K-State's offense is right now, and if they can protect and keep Skyler clean for the most part in the pocket, I think they're going to be successful. I do, too. I think that the the way to attack West Virginia, that you know, their defense, the front seven is going to be tough, so attacking through the air first. You know, obviously you, you're going to run the ball some, but you attack them through the air first, get them softened up a little bit and then be able to run the ball on them. You know, um, it's just one of those things. I know that kind of is the opposite sometimes of what people think that you should do. You should run it and run it and then throw it over top of them. Well, you know, sometimes you got to do some things differently. And the way that Skylar Thompson is playing football these days, Fitz, it is absolutely, this is the best football that he has played. It's kind of weird because as his mobility has been cut down and they're not doing quarterback run game he has it's like he's become a better passer knowing okay i can't do all those things you know and i'm not going to do all those things so i just need to sit in here make the reads get the ball out get it to where it needs to get to obviously the offensive line is doing a great job protecting him but it seems like the injury in my eyes has literally made him a better quarterback because he's had to rely on his arm and progressions you know pre-snap stuff versus, hey, if something goes wrong, I can scramble out of here real quick and then try to make something happen. Does it seem that way to you? Yeah. I've never been a quarterback, but I've always been intrigued by the decision-making process, how their brain works when they're standing there in the pocket, and exactly what calculations are going through their head at that time. I kind of feel like it's you know, one of those scenes in a movie where a guy's doing math, so they show all the math up in the air going through the sky as he does the math. I feel like that's how quarterbacks work. But now we're learning that in Skyler's brain pre-injury was run, 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 yep. run. It's yep. like that's all he could think of. And even when he didn't run, he wasn't making clear decisions where to throw the ball because he always thought it was the wrong decision because his instinct was to run. Well, the injury took away that instinct. It said, you can't do it anymore. You got to stay here. And oh my God, he's discovered he's in a really effective quarterback. And I'll be blunt here. I think even he's surprised at how effective it's been for him just to step up into that pocket. He didn't quite buy into that whole concept. It's hard to convince a guy to, Hey, you're under pressure step into that pressure because that's what it feels like when you're back there. But he has learned to step up into the pocket by himself just a little bit more time and found guys like Cade Warner or Landry Weber that make themselves available to pick up first downs. It's been beautiful to watch. It's great football. 
Yeah, it is good football. I mean, like you said, I mean, again, I've never been a quarterback either. Uh, Having played on the offensive line, you kind of get a feel for what a quarterback is going through a little bit because, you know, it's kind of what you said, stepping up in the pocket. Our worst nightmare is when a quarterback's trying to scramble around. It's literally an offensive lineman's worst nightmare. You, you would rather them step up as long as you have, you know, you're not getting heavy pressure up the middle. Let the tackles and those defensive ends run wide. Tackles push them out. You step up in the pocket and make a play or two. Maybe you have to sidestep, you know, one way or another, and you throw the ball down the field, get what you need to get. And he's doing it. You know, it's like his pocket awareness has gotten better. It's like everything has literally gotten better just from what you said. It was, you know what, I can run. If, if it's not there, I got to run, I got to run. And now that he can't do that, it's like, you know what, I didn't have to run. I, I didn't. I never had to I shouldn't say never, but I don't have to run the majority of the time. I can move, you know, and there's a difference between running and moving. You know, when you run out of the pocket, is different than just moving with side to side or up a little bit back in the pocket. A huge difference. And being able to do that. And guys, again, I don't care who you are. You can't cover a guy five, six seconds. You know, so if you're moving around in the pocket and giving a guy a little bit more time, guys are going to get open, you know. So and just being able to find a guy to move the chains. It doesn't always have to be a a 40-yard pass play. Just keep moving the chains. And that's what we've done a great job at here recently is just – Moving the chains. And when the big plays, I mean, I don't really count the KU game. I don't even want to talk about that. You know, big plays are what they are against them. But when you get the opportunities against the better competition, you take them. But just keep moving the chains, moving the chains. That's what we've done a, a great job at doing. I'm really – and you're right. He may be surprised. I don't know if anybody else surprised. For me, I'm just happy. I think he's playing the best ball of his career. Yeah, speaking of the KU game, the revelation on Tuesday that on the Deuce Vaughn 80-yard touchdown run early in the second half, KU knew the play. They they came out and, you know, K-State had the the penalty, the five-yard penalty. The false start. Right, and and they were calling out the play. And K-State decided to stay with the play, and they're literally calling out the correct play, and they still couldn't stop it. You know, that's I thought it was hilarious, to be honest with you, because K-State came out in the formation, and they got the five-yard penalty. It's almost like they didn't huddle. They literally came out in the same formation and ran the play again. I'm like, that is just basically saying, you know what? We're better than you. Yep. There's nothing you can do about it. We're you, we showed you what we were going to do, and we're still going to do it. Oh, by the way, we're going 80 yards. <laughs> <laughs> well, Deuce is really special, but that has to build the confidence of the offense that a defense can know what you're going to do and you still can't stop it. That's that's a dream scenario for an offensive coordinator that your guys are executing that well. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's absolutely. His offensive line has has gotten not that they didn't have it together before. They're just clicking on all cylinders at this point. And I think they I think there's another level though, Fitz. I really do. I think there's another level that we can get to. We're just scratching the surface as far as where we can go. And we got plenty of time to get there. I think we're just scratching the surface. I still think they can involve the tight ends a lot more in the passing game yes and yes and further expand this offense it'll be intriguing to see if they do that over these next three games defensively brian k-state's playing extremely well you can't put too much mm-hmm. into beating kansas because their offense is pretty miserable but we talked about this on the post game review podcast at the fury with which daniel green's playing right now his confidence is through the roof and as long as that defensive line keeps him clean and keeps his linemen off of him which has been a real benefit of Eli Huggins and Timmy Horn at nose tackle. They're just gobbling up offensive linemen. They can't they can't get anywhere and Daniel Green can run free. It is fun to watch that kid close on ball carriers. You know, I, I just at the beginning of the year, I was such a skeptic at playing this three down you know, three lineman. I was a skeptic. You're not gonna get pressure, you can't stop the run. But they found a way to be effective they have found a way now i will say that a lot sometimes i shouldn't say sometimes a lot of times in passing situations they mix it up a little bit and maybe there's three down linemen but they have a guy standing up so they've changed some things around a little bit in obvious passing situations but i just didn't think it was going to be effective but they have found a way and maybe we should have just trusted them all along um and again we were playing a really really good competition 
you know, the first three games of the conference season, um, things have settled a little bit back down and maybe, you know, and these teams are at our level and not that the other teams, they're out of reach, but they're a little bit better than K-State right now. But these teams aren't. And I I think that we've found our, what we can do. And I tell you what, Daniel Green just running around, knocking people around. I mean, it is the epitome and I know I said this the other day. It's just the epitome of, of the middle linebacker and what you want. Yeah, just agree. running downhill, and when you get there, just have bad intentions. And he you does. know, just have yeah, – he does. I love it. I love it. That is – to me, that's football. I love physical football. I do. I do. I never want anybody to get hurt. That's never my intention. I don't want – but I do want guys to get hit and hit hard enough and enough times to where, hey, maybe I don't want to run this hard here. Maybe I don't want to. Do- That's literally what football is or should be, I should say. Right. And he is the epitome of that. I absolutely love what they are doing. I love what he's doing. Guys are flying around. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. Well, let's talk about this three-man front. It is designed to put faster guys on the field. They want to fly around and make tackles. But the counter to that is a big, powerful running back who can run between the tackles, and that's exactly what Letty Brown is. So for me, this is the key matchup of the game. Can they contain Letty Brown on just straight up between the tackles run plays because he ate TCU alive with it a few weeks ago, and um, he's really, really good between the tackles, and that – I fear is the Achilles heel of this defense because if you can be effective on first or second down, you get into third and short at at best or at worst, I guess, if you're the offense. At worst, it's third and short, but you're not in a pass rush situation, and that nullifies the effectiveness of Felix Anyaduke Uzama who loves to come off the edge. Last week against Oklahoma State, they couldn't get in the short down situations. What happened? West Virginia had to throw. And they gave up eight sacks. So if we think King Felix is going to have a good day against West Virginia, that table has to be set on first and second down. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things is, and this may sound a little strange to some people, is that we may have to have a really good game at the cornerback position. And what I mean by that is, if we're going to be able to stop them, you got to get enough guys in the box. They're going to run between the tackles. Got to get enough guys in the box. So the corners are going to have to play one-on-one by themselves. So, because you're going to have to bring a safety down and just get enough guys around the line of scrimmage to be able to make the plays that are necessary. So corner, you're going to have to be out there. You're going to have to cover your guys so we can get in these passing situations, you know, and we can play zone behind it and blitz and do all sorts of things, whatever we need to do, rush the passer. But I I just think it's one of those things because I think West Virginia is going to change strategy and try to throw the ball maybe a little bit on first down to get ahead of the sticks you know, to try to come off just to change some things up because last week they got embarrassed. I mean, let's just call it what it is. They got embarrassed, you know, trying to run and they couldn't run the ball when they needed to run the ball. You got to make some changes. Now, if they come out running and it's successful early, then clearly it's us that are going to have to make those changes. But I just think you're going to get a lot of guys around the line of scrimmage on those early obvious run situations. or I shouldn't say obvious, but those early down situations where the tendencies are to run. So I, I think that's the key. Having our corners be really, really solid in coverage, which they've been fairly good the last few games. So let's got to keep it going. It will be interesting to see if Kansas State wants to go to zone or they want to go man, like you said, try to just put as many guys up there to stop Letty Brown. I love football, man. That's just, it's chess. Yes. It's just absolutely yes. like chess. It's just, it's such a great and uh, uh, just uh, incredible sport when you, you think of it as chess and moving guys around on the board and how you attack things. Overall, Brian, I think this K-State team is pretty good. Not maybe as good as they need to be to compete in the Big 12. We saw that in the early portion of the schedule. But this game is a step in the right direction if they win this. Get to seven wins, beat a team you haven't beaten if you're Chris Kleiman, and move into the next home game because he's back-to-back games against very like opponents in West Virginia and Baylor, two pretty good teams that know how to play some football. Man, it's, it's just a huge stretch for Kansas State. 
big, big stretch, you know, it, it program defining at this point in coach Kleiman's, you know, tenure here program defining, where are we at? Are we six and six? Are we seven and five? You know, can we get to nine wins? You know, it's just, where are we at? And I think if we thought this last year at this time, I thought, and I think everybody thought, oh, well, man, this is horrible. This is going downhill fast, you know, but it was it just last year was just such an anomaly for us and, and everybody that I don't, it wasn't a real barometer. And I know people were upset and disappointed. I was disappointed too, but this is a different climate this year and it's back to normal. Okay. Now that we're back to normal, where are we at? You know, what, what's going on here? What, what do we have as far as the program? Is it moving forward? Well, clearly it's not moving back. I can tell you, even if we lost the next three games, we're not taking a step back. Now, it would be a disappointment, clearly, because I think we're better than that. But we're not taking a step back. So let's take a, a step forward. And like you said, beat teams that you haven't beaten. Let's beat those teams and put them behind us, put them in the rearview mirror and take a step forward and, you know, let the country know, hey, K-State is, is moving forward here. K-State has got a – the program is – it's not that it's back, not that it fell off, you know, per se, but you know what? There's somebody to, to be reckoned with right. again. Right. Well, the last two weeks have defined West Virginia pretty well in my book. They beat Iowa State, a team that Kansas State simply could not match up with when they came to Manhattan earlier this season. Well, the Mountaineers won in Morgantown and turned around and then just got schooled 24-6 by Oklahoma State. And I'd like to say this, it really wasn't that close as Oklahoma State was clearly the better brand of football last weekend in Morgantown. 11 a.m. Saturday, K-State and West Virginia. Brian, thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. That'll do it for the second segment of the Powercat pregame show as we take a look at Kansas State and West Virginia. On the other side of this, we delve into the odds. What is the spread of this game and what does Ryan Gilbert think about all of the action in the Big 12? It's coming up on the Powercat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. GoPowerCat.com's Powercat podcast continues after this short break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. We have spoken with Ryan Wallace and Brian Hanley, and we're coming down the home stretch of this week's preview. It's K-State and West Virginia, 11 a.m. Saturday, Bill Snyder Family Stadium right here in Manhattan, where I am seated right now. We hope you can make it out to watch a really important game between the Mountaineers and Wildcats. At Robbins Motor Company, they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships, selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. Well, let's get into the interview segment of our show. It's going to be a little bit brief this week, and on the other side of this, we'll bring in our own Ryan Gilbert to discuss the betting lines, the spreads, and all the good stuff when it comes to sports betting on this weekend's Big 12 slate of games. A full slate of games, not just K-State and West Virginia hooking up. Everyone is in action as we come down the final three-game portion of the season and so much to be decided in those games. Well, during the offseason, Kansas State needed a receiver to come through the transfer portal, but it took the coaches a long time to identify the right person to fit the program. They finally found him in Cade Warner. Yeah, Kurt Warner, the legendary quarterback's son. He'd been toiling away at Nebraska, had seen the field some, but had never seen a bowl game, and decided to spend his senior season elsewhere. We spoke with Cade at Tuesday's press conference, and it was a really good talk. He's he's such a nice kid. And we started off with a pretty simple question. How well is Skylar Thompson playing right now? 
Oh, unbelievable. I mean, I don't even know how many incompletions he had last week, but it wasn't very many. Um, so it's cool to see um, a guy with that much talent be in rhythm, you know, have a hot streak and be able to complete all the passes he wants to complete in the field. And so it's really been fun to watch him play to his best ability. Then I wanted to know about the experience of going into the transfer portal and how odd it was, maybe even unsettling. Yeah, no, it's been it's been awesome. Um, going into the transfer portal was a really weird setting for me. I'd never been in it, obviously, before. And so it was weird to get recruited for the first time, kind of, and, and talk to different schools. And it was really awesome to have K-State reach out um, early on because kind of like, a, okay, I got, a, I got a place to go. And then after coming here and, and meeting the guys, I knew this was my place. So it wasn't a place I really liked to be, but I'm happy I'm here. Then our own Michael Goins asked Cade about his expectations going into the transfer portal. What was it like exactly? Um, expectations, I mean, I will say I expected – not much, honestly, just because I never was recruited ever before, you know. So to enter and have these schools reach out to me and, and, and have that kind of wanted feeling again was a little weird, but it was it was welcome. Um, and then when K-State reached out um, and all the love I got and all the calls from every coach here and everything, I knew that this is the place I wanted to be and expectations, I mean, matched what I believe. You know, it's been a fun season. Um, I've never been able to go to a bowl game before, so I know six wins and a bowl game isn't the goal, but to have that for me, is it, it's going to be pretty cool. And let's wrap this up with my final question to Cade. What is the confidence level of this team right now? Oh, it's sky high right now. I think that not only the wins stacking together, but how we're winning. You know, our defense is playing really well. We're stopping the run. We're doing what we need to do on that side. And our offense is opening up and being able to throw the ball. And now we feel confident that we can complete any pass on any down in any situation. So to have not only the wins stacked up, but the confidence in stacking those days goes so far for the rest of the season. And now we welcome in Ryan Gills Gilbert to talk about the odds, the spreads, and other degenerate stuff here on the pregame podcast. Full slate of games this week, Gills. Kind it's of exciting. Yeah. I know. It's been a while. Uh, what, what game do you want to start with? Because this, this is a good slate of games, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Generally. I like it. I'll, I'll pick one since you didn't Okay, one. you're the grand poobah here. I'm the grand poobah. Okay, Oklahoma State, 13-point favorite over Jerry Kill your hopes and dreams at TCU. What do you think? I I don't know what to think of TCU. I don't know if last week was a fluke or if Jerry Kill is the greatest college football coach to ever reside in Fort Worth, Texas. This is uh, this one's tough. I mean, TCU last weekend. You look at what they did, and nobody could have saw that coming. And you know, which TCU team are you going to get on Saturday? And that's really whatever you think you're going to get. That's what that's what side you're going to lean on. I'm going to roll the dice and go with TCU, given the points. 13 points is a decent amount of points. Oklahoma State's only won by, you know, more than 13 twice this year. One of those was Kansas. So, Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's a they, crazy stat. They're what? They've only got one loss on the season, but most of those games have been close. You know, K-State, without Skylar Thompson, kept it to 11. So, I like TCU here. I don't know if they can win, but Chandler Morris is impressed. I mean, look at that debut he had. Where did he Baylor. come from? Did they like birth him over the weekend before the game and yeah, then put him in? Pretty much. He came from Max Duggan. Wow. That's where he came well, from. Well, I didn't I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> that that science program at TCU is pretty cool. Indeed. Okay. But I like um, TCU. Yep. Texas is a thirty point five favorite over Kansas. I would take Kansas here. I think Texas is in trouble. And I think um They'll be using a more effective quarterback in, in KU in the week, over the weekend. I think they'll be using the guy we saw for most of the game. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I disagree. You think Texas is going to win by 31 or more? Yep. And there's always reasons. Okay, bring it on. In, there's always reasons to believe in, in Kansas. And KU has Gavin Potter. KU has <laughs> Gavin Potter, man. Don't don't underestimate the Potterated Potter. I don't even know what a nickname would be. <laughs> and they have Magic Rector, too. He, he, he has to have Magic Rector. He's close. He tries to compare himself to to Lawrence Taylor, um, Gavin Potter, but he's mm-hmm. closer to James Taylor, which is not a good linebacker <laughs> comparison. Okay, so you think Texas wins by 31 or more? Mm-hmm. And there's always reasons to believe. Like I said, Kansas is going to get it this week, but they're one of the worst teams in all of NCAA at covering spreads. Texas is just going to get this done. I mean, Fitz, you saw KU's – there's no no wonder they're 
their team is so crap. Look at their football stadium and their facilities. It's awful. It was awful. I mean, I don't care how good Gavin Potter is. It's good. He might get 10 sacks, but Texas is still going to cover. No sacks for him. Um, Oklahoma, this keeps dropping. A five and a half point favorite over Baylor as we record this. I'm a little surprised Mm -hmm. by this. Baylor's coming off the loss to TCU, and yet the. Money seems to be flowing in on the Bears like this will be a bounce-back game. Mm -hmm. I think Oklahoma's going to cruise in this game. I do. I think they know they need this game to put their foot down to make a point. I'm with you. I think that this line was going to shift in the opposite direction. And, you know, a lot of people like to overreact with with those losses, too, that Baylor had against TCU. And, you know— like you said, people, I guess, are predicting a bounce-back game. I don't see it. I've been skeptical of Baylor all year long, and we finally saw them, I wouldn't say fall apart, but they got beat by a team that's not as good as them, plain and simple. So I'm with you. Oklahoma's the better team here. I, I don't know how you could bet Baylor here. I just don't get it. I mean, yeah, it's in Waco. It's an early kick for the road team. That's not going to help Oklahoma, but five and a half points, they can get a touchdown on them. Well, let's explain. Out of necessity, we record this earlier in the week, and uh, it's entirely possible the smart money is holding back and ready to go down in Oklahoma as soon as that the Baylor money drives us down as far as it can. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm stunned by this. Okay, Iowa State, ten and a half point favorite over Tech. Iowa State all day for me on this. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else there is to say, really. I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> Texas Tech. I like the future of the program, but the recruits that they've they've got like three or four of them now. That's crazy. They don't come this year, do they? They got to wait like they, a year. They, unlike the coach who just left the program he was coaching on and and went to Lubbock. He just left Baylor <laughs> and went to Lubbock. It's it's one of the strangest things I've ever heard of. And now he's recruiting, but he won't won't make it. Those players aren't going to be on the team. No, I hope right, not. Right? I think okay. they're still in high school. Okay. Good deal. Those players I'll could help Kansas, but they're still in high school. <laughs> and finally, the big one for everyone in these parts, Kansas State is now a six-and-a-half-point favorite over West Virginia. I am frankly really surprised by this line. I can't make heads or tails of it. I probably would lean into K-State on this, but I, West Virginia is so hard to predict. I Honestly, if I was actually gambling, I wouldn't touch this game at all because I can't figure out West Virginia. Your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, West Virginia has been kind of feast or famine, very inconsistent this year. And it almost seems as if, you know, if you've got that six and a half point line, that's that half point there to cover you if K-State wins by a touchdown. So it almost seems like they're baiting you to bet Kansas State. But you look at Chris Kleiman and he's 0-2 against Neil Brown. And is Texas, is, I guess Oklahoma, is that the only team that he's won and lost to? Who's that? Chris Kleiman, sorry. Uh one and lost to um cuz every sure. other team just been winner low all the all three years i think you're loss. right is so, that right we've got some guests here they're nodding their heads state. Iowa state okay yep. correct yeah. when did he she's ferocious <laughs> his uh, first okay his first beat, year beat Iowa state correct. first okay. year yeah. okay okay yeah, it okay. I, I, I that's can't. not the biggest reason i'm betting kansas state here you know the, the win over texas tech I don't think that Kansas State had any business winning that game. Texas Tech gave the Wildcats that one. They looked good over TCU, but people tend to forget that TCU had two trips inside the five-yard line and came up with zero points on both those possessions. So, you know, a blowout over Kansas, not putting much stock into that. So, obviously, I'm optimistic for the future of this, you know, K-State team for the last three games. But six and a half is just too many points for me to feel comfortable. So, I like West Virginia. Okay. Well, very good. I, uh... I don't know if you remember this. You're probably too young, but there's a great episode of Seinfeld. You know what Seinfeld is? Mm, sure. Was, okay. Sure. Um, in which Jerry is dating a very attractive woman, except in certain light, she's very unattractive. So she's a two-face. That's West Virginia football. I don't know if they're attractive or unattractive. Every time I see them, they appear different in the light. And sometimes they're really bad and sometimes they're really good. Any chance? Really bad West Virginia will show up in Manhattan, damn it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say anymore. You you don't even know who Seinfeld is, do you? Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Ryan Gilbert. Very much appreciated. And that brings us closer to the end of the Powercat pregame podcast. It is Kansas State and West Virginia, 11 a.m. Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. The Cats are 6-3, and 3-3 three, three and three in the Big 12. And the Mountaineers are reaching the level of desperation. They're now 4-5 and five and 2-4 and four as a season that started with so much promise. And it's a team that is pretty darn good. 
but they're not seeing the consistent results on the field. This is a huge game for both programs. West Virginia coach Neil Brown, also in his third year, like Chris Kleiman at Kansas State, is 2-0 and against Coach Kleiman at their new schools. I'm sure Coach Kleiman is eager to put an end to that as he will get an opportunity to do the same to the Baylor and Texas programs in the near future, to other teams he has not beaten since arriving at Kansas State. But all eyes are on Manhattan and the Mountaineers and Cats on Saturday morning. It's going to be a brisk day in Manhattan. I hope you are ready for some great Big 12 football because this promises to be a matchup between two teams, both very hungry for a victory. I am Fitz and make sure you're listening to all of our PowerCat podcasts throughout the week. Hit the subscribe button at Amazon, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you're following our YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button for our Go PowerCat YouTube channel and Finally, if you're a K-Stater and not subscribing to GoPowerCat.com, come on over. Give us a test drive. One dollar for your first month. Have a great time at the Bill on Saturday. I am Fitz, and I will talk to you real soon. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.